everyone. Welcome back to Reality 2.0. I'm Katherine Bruckman. Doc Searles is co-hosting with me today. And we have a very interesting guest, as are all of our guests, to be honest. But this <laughs> one's particularly cool because we're going to talk about space things. But we'll get to that in a minute. So Paul, ba- uh, Paul Bailey is joining us. He is the chief architect at Cognitive Space. And they work in the realm of commercial satellites, but I'm not going to say too much about that, lest I mess it up. So (laughs) thank you for joining us today, Paul. Um, I'm really excited to have this conversation because our audience is made up of a lot of like-minded people who are going to be really interested in your story, I'm pretty sure. So Paul, I wondered if you could tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do now. And then we'll kind of go a little bit into how you got here. Yeah. Uh, so right now, yeah, like you said, I'm, I'm chief architect at Cognitive Space. And that really kind of means is I was one of the first uh, basically three employees at the company. So I'm a full stack engineer. Uh, so I design, you know, back end APIs and, and front end, uh, do some front end development as well as uh, DevOps. So basically, uh, most of the stuff that isn't space at our company, that's the stuff I do tech wise. <laughs> uh, but I also have a, a background in aerospace engineering though, too. Um, but, and we have a separate engineering team for that also. That's cool. So you, 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 you know enough about all of the aspects of the company to be probably, uh, the guy that is super valuable. <laughs> you're, you're their favorite, right? I don't know. Being number three, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I got, like I said, I got started in aerospace. Uh, you can see actually back there is my yep. picture of the I space shuttle. Uh, that was my first job out of college. I worked uh, space shuttle flight design. That's awesome. That's, um, that never looks um, bad on a resume. <laughs> 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 I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. It does. It always is a good story. Um, but while I was there, you know, at the Space Center in Houston, uh, they use open source considerably. And that's kind of why they hired me is because I knew development. So they always need aerospace guys that can do code. And so while I was there, I got even more into kind of coding every day to, to do my aerospace tests. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had, I guess my first love was Perl. Uh, but okay. when I was there, I started learning Python. And uh, as I got more and more into it, I shifted away into just straight software, and, but always kind of wanted to come back. So Cognitive Space been kind of my 15-year uh, plan to, to combine my two skill sets uh, back into one again. Um, are you, are you cool. in Houston uh, geographically? Mm-hmm. Is that? Uh, actually, I'm not. I'm one oh. of our remote employees, but that's where I met our founder at. Um, so I'm in Canyon Lake, about halfway between. Oh, uh, get out. Okay. Uh, Fantastic. Yeah, because because uh, Catherine's in Houston, so I, I spend just, a lot of time in Canyon Lake too, though. So yeah, okay, it's pretty. Perfect. Yeah, it's a nice place. Yeah, so this is my little shed I work out of. Uh, oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I like I like actually one of we've actually we had an entire episode about this, but I I like kind of sharing um, and seeing other people's work setups, their remote work, you know, because. It, Obviously, with the pandemic, um, even people who weren't working remotely before started. And you can work in a place that's beautiful, like Canyon Lake, right? And and it's that's you know, 
fantastic benefit but everybody has their own sort of idiosyncrasies about how like they like to set up their desk and how they like to set up their their Mm -hmm. gadgets and their gear and and their environment whatever makes them more productive it's actually a really interesting conversation i mean everything from you know the tools that you use your your preferred microphone and whatnot but also like the way you decorate your your nerdy rug designs and stuff like that can be (laughs) kind of part of that which is i don't know i think that's fun but um but yeah i i suspect i'm not alone here and that I would love to hear more about the space shuttle story because that's cool. Not that yeah. what you're not you're doing now isn't also cool, and we'd like to hear about that too. Yeah, actually, the, I have quite a few war stories there. Uh, yeah, so I was in flight design, but specifically, I was in the abort group. So we basically designed all the abort trajectories. So you know, if something goes wrong, we had to plan it out. You know, engine goes out where do you land? Uh, there was several different, different abort scenarios, you know, depending on when an engine goes out, you can do different things. You can return to the launch site. Uh, you can go across to Europe. Uh, so I always thought the nominal guys had it easy because they just had to do one trajectory up to the target, you know, wherever they're going yeah. to we had to do like five or six at least. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've, you know, so there's no one writing those type of types of tools. So we had to learn, you know, my first year was actually just learning about the shuttle, about abort trajectories and getting certified in that. And then once you kind of learn all that, uh, you got to write your software if you want to automate those type of things, right? No one else mm-hmm. is kind of uh, building software for that. So, I mean, of course, we would bring in all kinds of tools to help us. But so a lot of our own software we wrote uh, with that. Is any of that leverageable uh, post shuttle? I wonder to some of the work you did. Yeah, actually, I mean, I haven't checked. Uh, So back in, you know, this was back a while ago. So there wasn't GitHub back then, but you could request the simulators that we wrote. um, And, you know, basically kind of like, github today and we would send you a cd and have the uh the simulator and you could reconfigure it for different space vehicles Uh, i believe that simulator is still around or at least one of them so i worked in two one was kind of like a an old school back from the apollo days that they just reused and so it was like a fortran based simulator and then the newer one was written in java that one was stamps i believe it's still around, but I don't know. Um, and actually, uh, at Cognitive Space, we use a similar kind of simulator package from NASA. Uh, not that one in particular, but now it's on GitHub, of course. Uh, and we bring that in, write our own models to that, and and extend some of the functionality, built some of our own features on top of that, and use that as, as one of our, uh, the core of some of our product. I love the GitHub on a CD story. That's pretty great. <laughs> yeah, you have well, too, the other thing with certain NASA libraries, which is still happens today because we, we actually request some of these, uh, there's different compliance issues. So like aer- some aerospace software is considered, is classified in the same category as weaponry. Oh, or like, wow. It's okay. kind of like- I guess a- that makes sense, yeah launching yeah, it's kind things of, uh, <laughs> yeah it's it's kind of like strong encryption right even though it's not really a weapon it's in the same category and you can't export it 
so you actually, you it's open source and you can request it from NASA and they'll send it to you. Uh, actually, I don't know how we get it, if it's on the CD, if they email us now, but there's a, a package or two we actually do this with, but you have to basically uh, be licensed, even though it's, it's like a free and open source product uh, to make sure you comply with the, the business rules and don't export it. That's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't considered, so it, so it arrives basically missing a piece, <laughs> missing some pieces or some pieces that plug in, you don't get to see all of it. Yeah. And so that's where the one package we use that does the simulation that's on GitHub, that's open for everyone. Mm -hmm. And then for some reason, this other package that kind of plugs into it uh, is export controlled. So we have to request that specifically and we can do what we want with it, but you don't get it unless you, know, you go through the paperwork basically. Fascinating. So, so now you're in the, in the, in the satellite business or in the, in the business of business satellites, I guess. What is that about? I mean, so like everybody knows, I think right now too much about Starlink because it's up there and <laughs> Musk is hogging the stage, but there is a, there are an awful lot of satellites up there doing all kinds of things. The, the stuff that's not necessarily commercial is probably what we hear more about what NASA does and what you know universities and science uh, outfits do but what's the commercial what are the commercial uses primarily that 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 you guys are involved in so what we do i mean uh someone like starlink could be potentially our customer uh but i like to say uh you know elon is too cool for us and is probably going to write what we're doing <laughs> uh, but it's we're, we're definitely going after commercial uh, satellite startups and the difference or, or why we do what we do today is uh, we're sending, you know, if you take Starlink as a good example, right? We're sending so many more satellites up there than we were before. And so even from like five years ago, you could have a couple satellite operators, maybe manage your constellation of satellites, but now we're sending so many things up there that you have to manage. Uh, you can't basically even uh, hire enough satellite operators to kind of manage the thing. It's, it's, it's too unwieldy. So we write the software around helping you uh, basically automate and manage your constellation. And then we throw some AI in there uh, to basically help you optimize things. So you can, you know, for an existing satellite constellation, we could help them, uh, you know, sell to more customers, maybe sell, sell more images, get more images down. And then for these new, newer satellite operators, uh, you know, a lot of the old guys have built systems like this, you know, ours we think is better, of course, uh, because we have the AI built in also, but, uh, the, for the newer satellite operators, they don't want to spend five years building the system. So, uh, you know, it's a build versus buy decision. And so we have a, a huge, really, there's a lot more than just Starlink, uh, you know, a huge yeah. customer base that's coming online that needs to build these ground systems out. And they can either spend years building it themselves or they can use someone like us uh, that's already building it and then building it in a matter that's reusable for other other customers. Well, we know what Starlink's business is. They've got the ISP in space, basically. Um, what what are what are some other typical um, kinds of businesses that are 
that require having a satellite up there in order to do what they do. So a collection of satellites, obviously, if you're spent to Yeah, so most of the, the the types we're going after are what's called remote sensing. You know, so people taking ah. images. Oil and uh, gas exploration. Yeah, there, yeah, there's so imagery can be used for that type of stuff. Uh, but there's all types of sensors, new types of sensors being invented too. Uh, so images, you know, is kind of the one that everyone knows, right? We've all watched those spy movies and they're watching <laughs> us. But honestly, there's other types of sensors that are, are uh, I guess, uh, people are sending more of those types of satellites up now. So there's what's called uh, SAR, Synthetic Aperture Radar. Um, and so with radar, you know, with imagery, you can't see through the clouds. So in certain areas of the world, you almost never get a good image. Uh, but with radar, you can see through the clouds and you can produce these images that, you know, have a uh, pretty good quality depending on what you're looking for. Uh, there's there's RF, so there's constellations going up that are just observing radio frequencies. Mm -hmm. uh, there's constellations uh, going up that track, what's called uh, AIS, and I think it's ADBS. I forget what they stand for, but it's the radio transmitters in planes and boats. So you can track all the planes and boats going around the world. I don't know if you've seen FlightAware in Houston. I, uh -huh. yeah, oh, yeah, I look at I it a lot. I love FlightAware, <laughs> and, and I love okay. uh, the... Yeah. Uh, There's always a marine, helicopter. And marine traffic is really deep. Um, so they, yeah. Like that one too. Marine traffic's they, cool. They, you know, use the ground sensors. That's becoming obsolete because we can just do it with satellites now. You don't even need them um, on the ground. There's enough satellites that have that type of sensor. Uh, you can... Planes and, and naval, naval vessels are being tracked all the time uh, through the satellite systems now. What uh, So... So what is there on the, on a, on, for example, with marine traffic, um, there's, I assume there's some sort of beacon on a, sh on a ship um, that's looking up into space. Are they just, are they just broadcasting a, something kind of like a GPS satellite does? The GPS satellite itself doesn't do anything. It's actually your GPS itself that's doing something, um, interpolating between the different, the different satellites and, you know, quadrangulating or quintangulating where you are but um but uh but i mean is is that a generic thing like you just get one for your boat and it's just look it's beeping to the sky and then there are satellites up there that pick this up and sell the information i assume that's part of partly there's got to be a business model somewhere in there yeah yeah they it's yeah they just basically transmit information so they're transmitting things like their location i believe they transmit like their direction, which way they're going. And uh, yeah, every boat is supposed to have one of these things on it. Now, I guess one of the interesting things, we also do some government work. Um, and so, you know, military vessels are supposed to have this too. Uh, mm -hmm. But that's one of the things uh, that they do, you know, during uh, war times is they spoof these devices or turn them off. All um, right. Yeah. So that's where we help uh, the Air Force. We work, we've been working with the Air Force. Basically, if, uh, you know, if we can't track it via an RF satellite, can we switch over to NEO or radar? Um, and then when it comes back on, is it the same beacon ID that was 
mm. uh, occurring before. So we try to help them kind of, uh, same kind of thing, automate and uh, decide where they can collect uh, observations from. So is like, I imagine you could run a kind of Turing test on the beacons, right? They, they, is, this a, is this the real thing or is this not the real thing? And your AI will take care of some of that? Is that uh, part, of the, so part of where the AI works? When they spoof things, uh, you can't really tell. Uh, you know, you can tell that it's different, of course, but you won't know that it's fake or not. Mm -hmm. um, but what you can do is you can use, you know, the RF sensor to say, hey, they're broadcasting that they're a commercial vessel. And then maybe if you bring in imagery or radar, um, and this is the part we don't do. Uh, so there's other companies that will take those observations and again, the newer thing is to use AI to, the, to try to determine what the ship is, let's say. Um, and then maybe through one of the other uh, sensor types, they can determine what the ship is. And then they say, oh, we see that they're you know, spoofing that beacon. So now we know this commercial vessel is really not commercial. And you know, it's a mm -hmm. military vessel we need to track. Um, I guess one of the other interesting things too is uh, there's other companies using social media, and so bring in all the satellite data, bring in social mm -hmm. media data, um, and one of the interesting things during one of our uh, exercises that we did is they actually caught the ship on social media and was able to identify it that way. So. Oh, that's interesting. Now, so is this the, is it that the satellite N? Yeah. So, so they're actually looking at the human traffic or the the that's going in and out, doing IP lookup and that kind of thing to see where um, is it coming from. Well, or? like the ship was like in a bay or something, so I don't know if they had to do an IP lookup, but they they found the image on social media and they oh, knew I see. that. Oh, bay. Right, I see. Right, right. Yeah. So you could identify okay. the image. Now. This is yeah. This yeah, is where we are. from the imagery. Yeah. And so you had the fusion of satellite and social media data to uh, basically figure out where that ship was. Fascinating. Maybe terrifying? Uh, <laughs> and that, I think that use case maybe, I don't know. I have to think about that one a little bit. I'll, um, I'll, I'll say this. It's honestly, it's, it's not too terrifying yet because the, the AIs and identifying things aren't very good. <laughs> <laughs> well... I guess that's a whole other so, conversation. It still but requires I, people in the process, at least for now. So, but sometimes I wonder, you know, what what percentage of communications in general, especially during wartime, is false, is is mm -hmm. intentionally false because um, it's in the interest of you know one of the combatants or a competitor, if it's business, right, to 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 flood the zone, as it were, you know, um, and with false information just to, you know, throw opponents off. Do you have any sense of that? Or is it just, I mean, some of that's just sport, I suppose, but um, a lot of it's got to be. Yeah, I don't, we only, when we're in those types of things, we're actually in a, like a research mode, testing things out. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't know. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, in Yeah. So these type of, even the using commercial, satellites so that that's actually what kind of started our companies is, is the air force wanting to integrate commercial satellites 
into their uh, intelligence. Mm -hmm. And so at least right now, it's still considered research. Um, and so it's not operational. So yeah, so I haven't been in the operational settings there. Um, so I wouldn't know how much that is. Yeah. So Catherine, you, you were going to ask something? I don't know no, no, I, I, no, I'm, I'm still processing. <laughs> Was correlating social media with the uh, with satellite data. I don't know. I'm trying to think of all the nefarious yeah, applications the, of that. Yeah, I mean, in some of it, it there's a uh, they showed off, and this wasn't for an exercise we were in, but one of the guys showed it off as you know, there's to bring it to Ukraine. There's like a blogger oh, wow. in Ukraine taking pictures of. Uh, tanks that have exploded or been shot down or whatever you want to call it. Um, but how many of those, you know, for the military, they want to know how many of those are fake and mm. uh, how many of those are actually real. And so that's all there's, there's a, uh, you know, money going into that to, to build AI systems around uh, so, going through social media and then figuring out what, what's real and what's not. So if you can correlate the image, the image information with an actual location, you can verify its authenticity versus, versus you know, so a, a tank taken somewhere where, you know, in the location where it's not relevant or something like that. Yeah. That's location and probably time too, right? You want to make yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. You want to, yeah. Maybe it was the same spot, but taken 10 years ago. Um so stuff like yeah, that. We, you know, we, yeah. we talk about authenticity of, of data and information a lot actually here, which is why this is kind of particularly interesting. The ideas are, you know, ways to authenticate information, what's true and what's false and, and what is, you know, undetermined. Um, yeah, so that's a something I hadn't, you know, considered actually. Interesting. Yeah, so that's the side. We don't really get into the data processing yet. Uh -huh. uh, we deal more upfront with uh, kind of coordinating the planning of, you know, how you would get observations from satellites. Uh, and that's with the government. Anything we do with the government, we also try to, uh, so the way our, our government contracts are, are structured, uh, the government's getting a little smart. They don't want to pay for everything um, mm -hmm. nowadays. Mm -hmm. And so some of their newer contract structures is they actually want you, if you, you get a government contract, you have to bring in private investment. And so we basically have uh, a requirement to sell our, our stuff commercially too. So we have to get both uh, pub, uh, public sector and private sector involvement in order to, to produce our product. So how so, do you recruit, recruit that? I'm just wondering. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm trying to imagine uh, you, you go around looking, I mean, you've got public, you say you've got public and you want to go find private. Or vice versa. Does any do either does either side do some of the upfront work for you with that, or do you just have to do kind of uh, calling? You mean like in terms of like investment, or yeah, or just finding the. I mean, so so if it's a public private thing, and you kind of have to have both as customers, mm -hmm. um, do do customers on either side like saying knowing that this needs it's the public side and it needs a private side do they, are they already in touch with the private side and they kind of bring them in or is it um well i guess yeah it's kind of up to us to find those those commercial partners or mm -hmm. and those investors on that side uh but with that said uh, our ceo is uh scott herman and so he used to be the cto at black sky which is a 
commercial constellation mm -hmm. uh, company. And so, uh, yeah, basically he's brought us in a lot of the commercial contacts um, that's kind of helped grow the company and get us some commercial customers. So I, I, I want to get more of a sense of what the, what the, what the business is, you know, I'm looking at your, uh, your website, um, you know, that you're talking about mission planning, but I think a lot of things are probably not just a mission because maybe sure. the mission is, is getting it up there. It's like, you've already got things up there. What are they doing? I'm also sort yeah. of interested in, in what, I mean, so for example, I'm familiar with the, and this is a public sector thing, but because I live in California right now, I'm in Indiana, but I live in California in a place where it's almost impossible to get fire insurance because they're betting your house is going to burn. Um, mm -hmm. And, and there's a, one called MODIS and I forget, and VERS, but these are, these are satellites that are um, on polar orbits and they're busy scanning the earth. There are a bunch of them, of course, they have to be, um, but they're looking for hotspots, right? And you see what the hotspot is and, um, and then you see how old that hotspot is. But it seems to me, well, that, that's probably, there's probably some commercial <laughs> purpose for that, that that private sector um, you know, service would might want to sell to. Maybe they already are, and I don't even know it. So I'm, I'm just, you know, but I'm just talking yeah. about things that where I'm familiar with something that's actually already up there. So, yeah. So I would say like our our three to five year goal was kind of to build out all the like uh, things, software services that you need to run a satellite constellation um, on the ground. So it was called mm -hmm. the ground system. And yeah. so we're kind of building out all the pieces to that. And so to kind of go to your use case of, of let's take the finding hotspots. Uh, so like, you know, like a, a, a company like Black Sky, they might get California, the state of California as a customer come on and say, hey, we really need to find all these hotspots. Um, we need this type of sensor that can do that with this resolution. And now, right, Black Sky already has a bunch of customers um, that they're selling to. And so they have to go figure out, can we even get them this imagery or whatever the sensor type is? And how often can we get it to them? And currently, uh, that's a pretty arduous process and mm -hmm. it takes a lot of humans. Um, so when we say mission planning, basically we can bring in, you know, a new customer, let's say to their planning and replan that with our AI and basically uh, a couple of minutes and, and then give them a schedule of like, Hey, you can get, we can cover California uh, twice a day or, you know, whatever it would be. Uh, we can cover these spots three times a day. Um, and so that's where our AI not only can plan out the constellation uh, more efficiently. Um, so maybe get your images faster, stuff like that. Uh, it can do things like maybe uh, cover more area, uh, use, utilize your satellites, right? So if you think about like a satellite as a flying computer, right? Mm -hmm. You want it as close to 100% utilization as possible. Uh, so that's where our AI can basically make sure you're using all the capacity that you want to. Um, 
actually it's a little less you probably want it less than 100 percent because one of the uh, funny things is if you use your satellites too uh i guess too hard uh you know if you think about if you do too much bitcoin mining with your your computer <laughs> it's going to wear out faster right yeah. so and you can only send up satellites so often so you actually want that utilization maybe l lower than 100 but we can we can fill that utilization up for you so so i get a sense of where where you are in the industry it's an industry again i don't know but i'm you know, but I'm, I'm, but I'm looking at the black sky right now, which I've never looked at before, by the way. Um, mm -hmm. But they say they provide on-demand and high-frequency monitoring of the most strategic and critical activities, locations, and economic assets. But they also brag on their AI-enabled software. So mm -hmm. you guys are complementary to that, that in some way. Yeah. So well, where, where do would... you end and they begin? And are, could, are you a customer or a partner of them? Or how does that work? Yeah, I would say they would be a potential competitor, I guess. For, well, so not a competitor, but they would be a potential customer of ours because, uh, but they built basically, you know, with that built probably the same thing we're building. Um, but, uh, you know, they're not going to go sell it to another constellation. So they built mm -hmm. that system, that ground system. They're, they're not building the AWS for satellites they're they're using it for their constellation and that's it mm -hmm. uh, we want we're building so they, that they have a constellation so when you speak of a constellation yeah. it's it's a collection of satellites that are owned and operated or at least operated by a single entity at that yep it is known Correct. as that and it probably has a name that when people when you speak of that constellation you know what that is yep um, and they're actually also trying to build what's called a virtual constellation mm -hmm. so that where they kind of like resell other people's data. Um, so like, we're definitely not doing that. You know, we're just selling or building the the management pieces or the AWS, you know, uh, you, you have a satellite, you build the hardware, we'll take care of all of the ground management software. Okay. And then just in case anybody listening doesn't know what AWS, you're talking about Amazon Web Services and their yeah, cloud yeah, service. Exactly. So, so the cloud is their cloud is the metaphor here. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The intermediary, um, intermediary service provider role, basically. Yeah, so we don't own any satellites, uh, you know, at least for now. I, I, I pitched the <laughs> idea. <laughs> you I pitched the, the idea. idea. I was like, That's hey, cool. we need a satellite. <laughs> you need a space laser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. Why not? <laughs> I mean, yeah, hey, I mean, you're in the business. We need to what, like to lob things want? into the sky. Yeah, who would uh, not want a satellite of their own? I have no idea actually why you would, a, but um, it sounds cool, certainly. Uh, a, a sport <laughs> for us in uh, Santa Barbara, which is where technically I live, is watching um, watching rockets take off, carrying satellites, of course, in almost every case, uh, from mm -hmm. Vandenberg, now Space Force Base. It used to be the Air Force Base, now it's a Space Force Base, um, and uh, which is huge fun. Uh, it, it's it's huge fun to watch, and uh, it was interesting to me that one of the ones that took off, it, it it vectored south or southeast, I think, was one of one of uh, SpaceX's, and then there was this coronal mass ejection that damaged a whole bunch of satellites before they were properly orbited, yep. and then they deorbited. They, they 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 wasted the things by deorbiting them. Which is that the right word? Deorbiting? I think so. Were they? Yeah. I Push Sounds them back down into the atmosphere. Yeah. And they go. 
and they make streaks and they're done. Um, yeah. It, 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 it's interesting to me, what, maybe, I don't know if you know this or not, but um, what percentage, I mean, in, in a given, for, for at least for low, low earth orbit, what percentage go down every year? I mean, just because they wear out or they, they've just succumbed to frictions or whatever. Yeah, I don't, honestly, I don't know, but I can tell you, and it might've been that launch that, that you're talking about, uh, that actually affected us because oh, really? <laughs> we have customers or potential customers who are sending up new satellites. And if, if they don't get their stuff in the orbit, then they don't want to buy our software to manage their, their satellites. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, that actually, uh, we, we watch the launches closely because we know whether, uh, we have to, uh, you know, kind of hound them again to see if they want to use our services or whether we should hold off. <laughs> so, so you're talking about companies getting cold feet because they see, they see a bad thing happen to another company. They, like what happened no, no, day? it's their actual. So, you know, like I said, oh. we, we sell the satellite startups. So if they don't get their first satellite off oh, the ground. Oh, I see. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, that affected, affected us. Uh, and I guess, in you know, who we, who we're uh, pitching to. How, is the, the overall got to have a satellite up there business expanding? I imagine it's expanding. I mean, and, and probably Musk, by just kind of chumming the seas in the sky with satellites more on the way, uh, it's kind of accelerated that, I suppose. But it's a growth business, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's really been great for us. Uh, because he's definitely kind of uh, pushing the industry. And so that's where the, the market for new satellite startups uh, is really big. Um, there's lots of companies trying to send different types of satellites up. And so it's been great for us in terms of uh, investment too. Uh, you know, some people are trying to find new stuff other than just tech. So kind of being like a, a tech and a space company looks, looks, uh, you know, fancy to them. So mm -hmm. <laughs> it's been good for us. I wondered, so I'm also, of course, I have your, your uh, website open for the company you're at mm -hmm. now. So you mentioned uh, blockchain security, security <laughs> via, via blockchain, which is always, sometimes we, 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 we talk about blockchain with a little bit of a tongue in cheek kind of attitude, but it is interesting to see, you know, what kind of, you know, legitimate business applications blockchain has, you know, outside the, the sort of hype driven ones. I wonder if you could kind of tell us that the, the up side of blockchain from your perspective a little bit. Yeah. I always like to say we didn't have enough buzzwords, so we had to add another yeah. one, but, <laughs> but we actually had a, a real use case for it. Um, and yeah, there's some videos, they're, they're pretty hard to find because they were for a, a, a space pitch. It was kind of like a shark, shark Tank style uh, pitch competition um, where we won a contract. And uh, basically, um, if in the different military organizations, uh, and the contract we won was actually with the UK Ministry of Defense. Um, where we built a, a basically a prototype and we're actually going to expand on the blockchain. So it's something that like kind of in development for us. Uh, but the way these organizations work, you know, is there's like a, a top secret, a secret and an unclassified level. And uh, you almost 
never uh, get data going between those levels. Uh, it can happen, you know, and the, the way it usually happens uh, is, you know, even today they burn a CD and get it approved and send it down to someone. <laughs> but what happens also is that uh, people are scared. If you're at the top secret level and you unclassify something uh, and you're wrong about it, you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> so <laughs> no one wants to do it, even though it's possible. Um, so that was one of the problems they were uh, looking for and so uh, a solution for. And so we, we pitched a blockchain solution. Uh, and in most blockchains, uh, <clears throat> and this is for their space operations, yeah. uh, but in most blockchains, you know, all data is just shared. Um, but they have a, a use case for space operations because the UK wants to collaborate with the US and they're at different security levels. So they, they're getting more uh, having to have the need of shipping data between these these security levels and between different countries. Uh, they want to, everyone wants to collaborate with the U.S. for space stuff. Um, everyone's kind of stopped investing in space. And now all of a sudden, uh, all these countries like the U.K. are starting to invest in it again. Um, and so we pitched a blockchain, uh, what we call the a partition blockchain and we actually patented it that allows you to have a blockchain but i, I like calling it the swiss cheese uh swiss <laughs> cheese data because on the different nodes in the chain uh you only get the data that you have permission for um so you're able to share stuff in the blockchain with different nodes but it kind of has a permission system built into it uh, so you still have consensus and, and different things like that, but you only get the data um, that you're available or you want available. So if you take maybe someone like the U.S. space operations, they'll be the head honcho, but they only want to share certain things with sure. the U.K. space division, let's say. Um, that's where it'll help kind of transfer data um, through a, a blockchain. And so now... We did that as a prototype, but now commercially we're taking that and commercial companies kind of have the same problem with their space operations because with a, with a constellation, you have different customers, right? You want more than one customer because you have this big expensive satellite constellation you have to use. Um, and so, but you don't a lot of times want one customer to see what the other customer is doing. So now we're kind of uh, taking that blockchain and applying it to to that to not only use it for security but distribute it what we call distributed planning. So the because a blockchain is sitting in a number of um, servers, a number of databases. It's one database that's distributed that's identical on many servers. So those are all like they're not out in the world. Obviously, they're they're inside Correct. a facility. But they're some they're secure in a way because they're distributed in some physically distributed probably in some way, and there's encrypted communications that puts puts it in puts the data in these multiple bases. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. and then yeah, so each you know if you if in a distributed planning scenario you know you could have uh, your customers of your 
of your constellation would each have a node of the blockchain and they would be mm -hmm. able to access that data but yeah. then via our blockchain um it gets distributed back you know to the the home base let's say and then we together you know at the central system we want to plan all of our customers together and make sure we can meet all of our customers uh demands right um but also not share the data with you know typically this is kind of a complicated way to do this <laughs> and typically like in a, a standard like software business you just have kind of people have logins and give them permissions right but with with the aerospace industry they're uh everyone kind of wants their little uh you know data data lake in in their own private uh you know data center um so it's, it's definitely like a complex way to do it but we we're trying to meet the needs i guess of of the industry it kind of reminds me of some of the conversations we've had with dave Hughesby, our regular recurring guest yeah um, yeah we'll very be interesting on our, on our other podcast next week um yeah, i'll have to link to some of these so looking at your um at your website you have so is it called sentient c-n-t-i-e-n-t -E -E is that how it's pronounced yes that's correct yeah. Yeah. So, 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 yeah. So what is that exactly? I mean, it's clearly the main thing you're pushing there. So, so that's basically our product name, you know, so that's the name mm -hmm. of our product, but I like to think of it as like a product suite. Um, and so it's kind of like Microsoft office. We're building a mm -hmm. bunch of different apps, but they all kind of go together and we sentient is the suite, uh, you know, and so one of those products, right. Is the mission planning. Uh, we have another product inside the sentient suite that we're building now um, that's for uh, like forecasting. So you have a constellation, you want to grow it. Well, how, where should you add your satellite? Should you add mm -hmm. it here? Should you add it there? How many more customers can you sell to if you add two satellites versus three? Um, so we're building that one out now. Um, and then we have additional products down the line that, uh, you know, so we're kind of building off out the Microsoft Office suite uh, for space, basically. That's cool. Yeah, Sentient is the, the umbrella. <laughs> so is this is a little unrelated to that, but do you think we can ever have too many satellites? Uh, probably. <laughs> does the sky, does the, the I mean, space just fill up, or? <laughs> well, I don't know. And they all start colliding. Yeah, I mean, there's there, there's definitely issues. I mean, we're talking in like in terms of the colliding right the the uh, i guess fortunately right it's pretty spread out so it's going to take a long time to like uh get there but i mean we've already started to see some problems uh in terms of like debris mm -hmm. uh, and i forget if it was russia or the chinese kind of exploded something and it almost hit the, the International Space Station and other satellites. Um, so it's probably take us a while to get there, but yeah, it's it, it could be a problem. And if, if countries don't kind of uh, deorbit their stuff, uh, their satellite uh, things and clean things up, and there's kind of protocols around that, uh, you know, it, it could start becoming a problem. There, kind of an environmental concern, just like everything yeah. else, really. It's quite a few years ago that uh, 
I don't know if it was a Milsat or one of the military satellites. I don't know if it was one that was called Milsat or not, because there are a bunch of those, I think. But um, it it blew up on the way up and did not get into an orbit. It went into a very long elliptical orbit of of small pieces of debris, like hundreds of thousands of pieces of debris that come back to Earth and fly back out on this, this orbit again. And as if they are pretty much, uh, practically speaking, permanently. And... Um, and I, and I know there's a there's work toward cataloging absolutely everything is up there, right? So and and I think that and am, am I right that a satellite mm -hmm. goes up and it does go into a database where, um, yep, you know most, you know it, it, it's known known to other people, so they 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 don't collide with those things. But um, there was a, a photo I saw yesterday uh, taken in Western Australia of of uh the the milky way and and there are little streaks all over it you know because yep. if if you do it in the middle of the night it's not bad because you don't have the sun reflecting off those things right they're just passing through but during the day or like for a few hours before the sun rises or after the sun sets you you see these things up there which is a great sport for me and my son who's now 25 but disinterested but when he was a kid we'd sit outside with um and i'll recommend this is called heavens above heavens dash above and I think it's .com. It's done by a guy named Chris Pete in Germany. And he's been doing this. It is in the earliest HTML you can imagine. It's just the simplest <laughs> stuff. Um, and it loads in, in a fraction of a second because it's not encumbered by anything. And and it tells you where all the satellites are. I mean, I, I mean that's, that are the visible ones that are passing overhead. Yep. And in those days, so, it was... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I, the, the big ones then were, of course, the ones you... Now you don't want to see them, right? That's part of the part of the idea, right? You want to make them as small and, and modest as possible. But the the big ones were the Russian ones that where they launched something gigantic and 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 the second stage or whatever just stayed in orbit as this big tumbling cylinder that you know is up there in a high enough orbit that it's not going to decay very fast and it's just there forever. Um, but those are the ones that are easy to see, you know. But there are many, many more that are not. Yeah, so if you want uh, your audience to to waste uh, a weekend or two, oh, uh, the, we love that. Yeah, all the definitely. all the source data for that type of information um, is at spacetrack.org. Oh, great! Um, okay, you can you can sign up for a free account. Uh, they do kind of limit how much you can query the data, um, but you can also ask them, and they'll give you a big dump of everything. Is it um, is the space track? And I just put it in. And it says this page isn't working. Is it there a hyphen in there? Uh, I think yeah, it might be space track dash org. Uh, I think might be it. I got but it. yeah, it, there it is. Space dash track dot org. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can uh, sign up for that for free, mm -hmm. and uh, you'll when you log in there, you'll get what's called a. So that's the organization, and there's actually uh, so that's the U.S. organization. I think mm -hmm. it's Sela Track. That's the European organization that does the same thing. Um, and they basically track everything that's up there. Uh, you won't find any uh, pretty visualizations, but you can download all the source data for what's what's flying up there. Uh, you'll get what's called a TLE. So that's a hmm. two-line element. Um, huh. That's basically the orbital parameters. Um, and so, yeah, you can... Uh, you can basically find all of the satellites that are flying up there. And then if you notice, when you go through the data, you'll see that some 
that are labeled as DEB. That's debris. <laughs> oh, really? Um, that's interesting. And so that's all the pieces of debris that they can track uh, right now. Um, that's one of the funny things is you'll sometimes you'll find the satellite and then you'll find one with the same name, but it has the debris marking. That's because part of the satellite fell off. Um, and it's oh, kind of interesting too in orbit also. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you can, you can basically, uh, source all of that orbital information there and, and make a vi visualization from it. That's cool. We'll put that in the show notes. I'm yeah, definitely. Stick, we'll have a link. Stick a couple of things in the chat here for. Yeah, and anything for people that later. goes up, they track it. So uh, it, sometimes for newer stuff, it takes a couple of weeks, but eventually, uh, if something's flying, it's it's in there. You know, it's uh, it's public information because you can observe what's flying in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why it's kind of just open for everyone go in there so cool. it's developed by saic under a contract from a very long alphanumeric string <laughs> <laughs> cfsccc space cj three slash six it's it's a droid i mean <laughs> the name like that <laughs> i believe it's part of the air force uh that's that, that contract sense. for yeah but I, I think that's who runs it so yeah I, my sister was a, is a Navy veteran, but I think it's either she or a friend of mine who's an Air Force veteran who insisted that the Air Force had longer multi-letter acronyms for things or initialisms for whatever. Um, but the military in general does that. Uh, that's such an SEIC, I see. Huh. And there's good um, open source tools. If you, you know, if you search in Python and JavaScript, uh, to convert TLEs and show them on a map. And, uh, oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's it's not too hard, even if you don't really know uh, <laughs> what the information is in the TLE to, to start making visualizations out of it. Interesting. We'll have to look some of those up and include those too. How fun. Cool. That sounds like quite a weekend project. Uh, I suspect <laughs> we, might, we might have a few takers on that. The I guess another, I'll, I'll throw one more in for you. Uh, there's the Aqua satellite, which is a satellite, an old satellite that I think NASA purchased it for open use. So you can actually. Oh, really? oh yeah. Earth observing uh, satellite. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it just takes pictures constantly. And but if you if if you build a good enough radio, you can actually communicate with it and download the images off of it. Fascinating. Wow. So we, we actually use that in our testing um, via some Amazon web services. Uh, we didn't actually build the radios, uh, but to test out, you know, some of our communication stuff, uh, management software, uh, we actually use Aqua to, to huh. give that a rundown since we don't have uh, <laughs> our own satellite. Is it, is it a single satellite just just basically scans around the world? Yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah, it just flies around the world and takes pictures. And so when you download the images off of it, you never know what you're going to get. You, you get what you get, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I would guess I just... you, could, you could, I mean, you could retrieve them in some sort of orderly way where you could actually piece together a, I mean, right? Or no, does, it, does that not work I'm out? Not... 
I, I'm not for certain how it stores the images. So yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, but if you caught it on a on a repeat basis, you could probably piece something together. Yeah. I was thinking like some sort of open mapping project or something. I don't know. It's it's pretty old, so it's it's not very high resolution, but it's, it's <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. That is very cool. Um, so uh, yeah, I just noticed that we. I think we we're coming on an hour. I think that's uh, I. I felt like we were just getting started with a conversation, which is always a good sign. <laughs> it's like, whoa, we just started figuring out what you know what all of this is. But um, I think that the, I mean it, it seems to me there's just a gigantic um, uh, topic, and um, you know, but it's one of those businesses that or collection of businesses that is not known to most people. Yeah. I, I mentioned, of course, you know, freight forwarding probably isn't either, you know, I mean, there, there are lots of things that are, that show up in the, that, that like freight forwarding didn't show up until, you know, that the, um, uh, you know, the supply chain went to hell and, you know, the, mm -hmm. the evergreen jackknifed in the Suez Canal and stuff like that. Yep. Um, but there's, you know, but I think I can imagine people getting more conversant about this stuff, right? Because mm -hmm. you start space as an inherent re re relying on that. I also think that there's something to the fact that we're zero distance apart. We're doing this, you know, you're, you're both, you guys are both in Texas. I'm in Indiana. I could be anywhere, you know, it, it, we, all of us could be anywhere. And, and we are all also weightless. You know, we, we have no, <laughs> we have no gravity here. You know, we, we all appear to be, have, our gravity all appears to be going straight down, but we're actually on an angle for each other. You know, it's, um, and, but we take that for granted, but we still live in the physical world. And the physical world is one where, um, how do we cope with the distance in that? And it seems to me that's where your business is, right? Because all kinds of stuff is happening still on earth that needs tracking and needs, yep. needs to be familiar in way, and, you know, you need perspective on it. I guess it's maybe kind of a bad perspective. Yeah. And it, it's funny you mentioned that, uh, supply chain, because that's, uh, one of the problems uh not the supply chain in particular that we're trying to solve uh because so like when that happened uh many of the major uh commercial satellite constellations right they have customers they have images they have to take but now all of a sudden there's this crisis and everyone wants an image of that ship stuck right in the canal. right yeah 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 <laughs> so how do you <laughs> retest your constellation without uh you know really making your your regular customers mad um and so that's the kind of software we're trying to build well that's interesting too right where where you may need to interrupt the purposes the, the immediate purposes of, of a given business in order to handle something that yep. that matters to other parties right yeah yeah so that's a that's you know, it's not something you can regularly plan for, right? Um, where you kind of make your schedule and just follow it. It's, you got to allow for interruptions too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff comes up. And and Earth is like that too. <laughs> yep. And people are yeah, like so that. Us people like to, like to interrupt and mess things up. <laughs> <laughs> that we do. I don't know who, who was it said that hell is other people. But <laughs> a case could be made. Well, this has been great. Oh, cool. Yeah, this has been great. I think, um, you know, honestly, any, 
anytime the, the the subject of space comes up, you know, people people start paying a little bit more attention, or at least us nerds do. But then when you when you when you bring together all of the you know the the the, the aspects of the, the work that you do, including the development, the uh, yeah. Anyway, and your good stories is, is where yeah. I'm thanks, at it. thanks so much. Good stuff. It, it's uh, bringing back the uh, the space geek that I was. Uh, yeah. I thought when I was get a, a kid, and then when I had kids, you know, when you have kids, you kind of bring them into that, you know. And then... Yeah, it's 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 fun. Uh, oh yeah, one more thing, one more story sure. I, I wanted to tell. Yeah, good. because it, it kind of uh, crosses over into sci-fi. When we were building out our sim, we were trying to improve the performance, and so I don't know if you've all have uh, read the Baba verse, but I basically. I stole some features from that sci-fi book and like, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's I was like awesome. hey why don't we just do it this way i don't i don't actually write the sim but i kind of pitched the ideas and they're like oh yeah that would work so <laughs> this is that's uh great. dennis e taylor uh is that who yeah that is? okay and so a lot of the the book that book is about oh, uh, legion yeah okay uh you know uh a simulated uh i guess ai running a space probe mm. no you know so much you know life does imitate art many times so that makes sense <laughs> sci-fi provides a lot of prior art for a lot of really interesting technology so. it will it all be true yeah. <laughs> hopefully only the good parts <laughs> um, i was really happy when they liked my idea too i was like wait oh that's great <laughs> yeah that is that is great that's validating it's pretty cool <laughs> Well, cool. Um, I yeah, this is fantastic. I, I suspect our listeners are going to be really excited by this conversation. Um, and uh, yeah, I you know thank you so much for joining us. I'm so glad we ran into each other at a, a women in tech conference, which is kind of funny because I <laughs> somehow you know got a guest who is not a woman in tech, but uh, <laughs> the conference was great. Uh, um, anyway, yeah. So thanks for joining us. Thank you everyone for to, uh, for listening. You know. I'll, to the end and, and we hope that you'll you'll make a weekend project out of checking out some of the links the links on this episode. Until next time. <laughs>